in 86. And M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Did you finish the book? Yeah, I finished the book. Did you? Yep. Great. Did you enjoy the book? I liked it. Good? I liked it good. Are you ready to talk about the book? I'm ready to talk about it. It's your girl. It's my girl. It's your girl. There's a new girl in town. There's a new girl in just town. Just very briefly, though. I like how Anna Martin is like introducing new babies constantly, but also just cutting them loose as quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it started with the super brat where a new baby came and went in the course of a book. Yeah. And once again in I almost said the song of Susanna, which I know isn't right. <laughs> yeah, that's a Dark Tower reference <laughs> yeah. for you. Uh... Secret of Susan. Mm-hmm. A new baby is introduced. Her name is Susan. And yeah. before the end of the book, she's gone. She's gone. Yeah. We don't have to worry about her anymore. There's a shelf life. Yeah. Yeah. I think Anna Martin must be like her like crazy spreadsheet or like her little bulletin board with little like pins that connect all the babies to their parents throughout Stony Brook is getting way too crowded. She was just like, we're going to have her come right in and then get right out because there's no way we're going to have Susan Felder in the next book, which is Claudia. No, it's fine. I love, I love Claudia. I love all the babysitters. I'm even coming around on Stacey, man. Wow. Yeah. Is it because so many people have written to us saying, like, we like your show, but don't understand your unnatural hate for our literal favorite babysitter? That's part of it, but it's also like it's getting dark. Easily swayed. It's getting darker earlier, you know? I think I've got seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. And just like, this is a comforting, like, home base to me, are (laughs) these books. Yeah. So... I'm just, I got a lot of affection for all the, all the girls now. Yeah, especially those of them who have had to deal with the incoming New York winters. Just one of them. Stacy. Yeah. So that's what you're She really yourself. gets me. Yeah. And you really get her. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, is it? I don't think so. I mean, a little bit. What we are here to talk about is me saying... Good. You like it? I think it's weak. <laughs> Let me just get it out. Hi, hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. Club. A podcast. See, now now you you landed with me, uh-huh. and then you didn't continue talking. Yeah, I know. You're, and you threw me off again. It sounds like you threw yourself off. I'm just <laughs> politely getting out of the way and letting you do your intro. All right, let's do it again. And you hit... hit Club, yeah, I know. Harmonize I, with me. Don't tell me how to do my job. Harmonize, you just focus on doing yours, bud. Harmonize with me on the second club. Yeah. Give me a give me a like a little fifth interval. Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna club. Club. Good. Okay? Yeah. And then and then get out. Get out of the fucking way because I I'm wasn't I'm in your be, way. Wasn't in your way, a, bud. Remember how we just did steam it? Engine coming down the tracks. I said and you're club not gonna and be I, wa- you're not gonna want to be in front of that. I said club and I got out of the way. Okay, you ready for that? You're going to have to dive right out of the way. Club. Yeah. Yep. You, you practicing? Yep. I'm going to give you my interval um, right now. Club club, 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 club. That's a low C. Yeah. Club. club. I, want, I, I want you to hit me with a high E. Okay. Okay? Yep. Try it. Club. And then, and then what are you going to do? You're going to dive out of the fucking way. Yeah. Okay? I'm yep. a steam train. I know, man. I'm a steam engine. I'm barreling down the track. I know you're a steam train. I know that about you. All right. We'll try it one more time. Okay. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic. 
works in the babysitter's cycle. You faltered there for a second. <laughs> I thought you were a steam train. <laughs> we're talking about the classic works, and for those of you who don't know who wrote the works in the babysitter's cycle, it is Princeton's own. Anne M. Martin. Princetonian uh, and, native. Yep, Anne M. Martin. And then we're just going to move on. I'm a, I'm a freight train now. Just okay. get out of my way. All right. Princeton's own Anne M. Martin. And this week we discuss book number 32. By Princeton's own princess, nope. Anne Matthews Martin. Three off, man. I thought I got you. <laughs> Two trains on the track. We, we read a book today. Yeah. And let's be honest, it was today. I started it this morning. Yep, me too. I had to power through it. Yep. And I finished it in time. And yeah. the book that I read and finished was a book that was called Christy and the Secret of Susan. Would yes. Yeah. Susan has autism. Yep. Spoiler alert. I'm going to even argue that that's not a spoiler and it's not a secret. It's not the secret. It's not the secret. I think that's probably true. Um, we can get into what the secret is. But, I mean, and, and Baby Nation, there's no way it could be the secret because at the beginning of the book, when we were introduced to Susan, her mom was like, this is my daughter, Susan. She has autism. Yeah. So that's not when the, we were by any stretch. Susan but, in chapter four, because yeah. Chrissy really loves labels and cataloging people and the half chapter of like, here's what the babysitter's club is. Here's what, who all the babysitters are. Yeah. Takes Christy three full chapters to do. Yeah. It went on way too fucking long. Yeah. It went on way too long. And that's just Christy. She likes to talk about herself. Yeah. I mean, she even brings up, like, Jesse and Mallory's hamsters, which is, like, something we haven't thought about since Yeah, the... we don't need that much backstory. And also, Christy, if you're listening to this, yeah, sure, we know that Jesse and Mallory each have hamsters. Yeah. Don't bring it up if it's not going to be in the book. Yeah, and it it's wasn't. It's Chekhov's hamster. Yeah. If you introduce a hamster in the first fucking act, there, yeah. better, there better fucking be a hamster. There wasn't, uh, though. Yeah, in the third act. I kept waiting for it. Yeah, nothing. We got the hamsters. We got, like, in these intros, in these fucking, like, recaps of what the Babysitter's Club is, we learn every single goddamn week that yeah. Shannon Kilborn is a That's emergency reserve babysitter. Right. Not not a peep out of her. I haven't seen her in, in I'm going to say, 20 books. Yeah, she's, like, go- essentially gone missing. Right. Why do you keep talking about Shannon Kilborn if she... What are you hiding? Yeah, what are you hiding? Maybe Don't go to Shannon's house. She's definitely there. Yeah. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's obviously not dead. there. You would know that. She's one of our associate babysitters who right. we call all the time, except in these books about our lives we where we detail, her. like, every little piece of minutia in our babysitting existence, Yeah, and she just never comes up. It just happens to be a suspicious mound of fresh, freshly turned dirt in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. Ignore that. Just hamsters. The secret of Shannon Kilborn. I think she's probably fine. Yeah, she's probably all right. Here's what I want to do for the baby nation. So sometimes people don't like it when we swear. Uh-huh. And like we're just, we swear just to, to fill sentences. It's armor that we wear. Yeah, it's armor that we wear. Yeah. But, you know, people want to listen to these podcasts with their kids. So Karen this week had a really good swear substitute. Did you catch it? No, what did she say? They're watching um, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And Stacy is over babysitting them. And Stacy says that they need to turn it off after Dorothy leaves the Munchkin Village. And they're arguing with her. And they're like, well, she hasn't left the Munchkin Village yet because she hasn't found the Scarecrow. And then the Scarecrow came on screen. And Stacy was like, time to turn it off. And Andrew was like, ah, shucks. And Karen said, Bullfrogs. Oh, yeah. 
I thought that was really good. Yeah. Like instead of good. saying either fuck or bullshit. Yeah. Let's just say bullfrogs. Yeah, that's good. We'll try that. Yeah. It's funny as a funeral. Funny, it is funny as a funeral. <laughs> Although I don't think you're misinterpreting that. <laughs> yeah. Well, idiom. Um, another idiom we were introduced to in this novel. Yeah. Uh, by a brand new character. Yep. I'll tell you when we don't swear in the super special episodes. You know what I just realized? What? I was thinking about the new characters. Yeah. Gazi Kunkka was never resolved. Fuck. In the cliffhanger, they never bring up Gazi Kunkka again. So she's just out there. They set up Gazi Kunkka in that first pre-cliffhanger book, and they never bring it up again. Marilyn and Carolyn don't even show up in the next book. That's so weird. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird and worrying. Yeah. This is a thing, and like I hope that Anne Matthews Martin, princess or not, not, you know, let's not. not worry about her fucking rank. Yeah, for, that's not what matters. That's yeah. not what matters here. Confidently not. What, what her specific rank is, or like what her lineage is. Yeah, that's not what I'm concerned about. Yeah, you know, maybe she's a princess. Maybe she isn't. She's not. What I am concerned about is whether she has got all of these strands. No, she's clearly losing her grip, <laughs> man. What happened to Gazi Kunka? Yeah, you know, Anne, Anne, Anne. I know you're listening. I yeah. <laughs> what happened to Gazi? What happened to Gazi Kunka, Anne? While you think about that, yeah. What I'm gonna do for the Baby Nation is give them a little bit of insight into what the fuck happened in this book. Good. I wish you would. Would you, my friend, join me in that endeavor? Would you help me? I've got a little role for you to play. Okay. It's a it's a classic segment where I describe the book and then you describe the book. Yeah, it's no, known, I know that. It's known and beloved by... Oh, I thought you needed my help with your description. No, I don't need that. Oh, okay. That. No, then I'm just going to tune out like I always do. No, no, this, that, this is what I was going to say next. Can you uh, pay attention to me while I talk? Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> well, Baby Nation, you can't tell this because this is an audio medium, but he's immediately just gone straight to his phone, as he always does. It's already uh, the 90s, man. Is it the 90s? We've made it into the 90s. We've made it Copyright into the 90s. 1990 in this book. Fucking hell. This is the first book in the 90s. They're going to start getting so like grungy and ironic. Yeah. Oh, man. What's it? So it's 1990? Yeah. They Oh, they made like, you know what? They made a bunch of references to Crocodile Dundee. And you, call, you call that a knife? Yeah. I'm not very good at it. a knife. That's, yeah. that's not a knife. We'll have plenty of time to do our Australian. You call, you call that a knife? Yeah. Good. That's the horrifying. This is annoying. I know for a fact that we have a number of yeah, Australian Yeah, I'm really sorry. Listeners. I'm not very good at Australian accents. <laughs> and we also know for a fact that there is more to you and your great nation than talking about knives. Yeah. They also <laughs> call televisions tellies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, we're falling into the trap Woo! that uh, the bullies fall into in this book. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really good. Something we're going to get into after I give you a brief back of the book blurb to whet your appetite for what happened in this book, yeah. followed by putting 60 seconds on that big bad clock, during which our friend and able co-host of this podcast, Tanner Greenring, is going to fill in all of the details so that you can know what the fuck we're talking about, just in case you didn't happen to read Christy and the Secret of Susan. You ready for that, my friend? Here's what happened in this book. Abandoned by her father and left to pick up the pieces of her life, the determined Christy Thomas learns to see the world in an entirely new light when she meets Susan Felder, an autistic child prodigy who finds beauty and meaning in her music. Meanwhile, 
The handsome and brooding Australian emigre Ben Hobart is about to have his own world turned upside down when he runs into Mallory Pike. Clumsy, shy, funny, and to Ben's eyes, completely and utterly bewitching. This captivating novel about the chance encounters that change our lives intertwines two gorgeous, heartfelt stories about the power of serendipity, the aching sadness and the gulfs of meaning that lie between each of us, and the precious hope that blooms each and every time we look at a stranger and smile. Christy and the Secret of Susan. Oh, you right now, stranger. Tanner, Tanner's giving me a great big smile right across <laughs> right across this gulf of meaning that exists between us. Ugh, I don't want a gulf of anything to exist between us. Yeah, me neither, man. But we got this table, we got these mics, and we're going to try to spit some meaning into them. Can I do mine? Yeah. I think I can, as eloquently, I can kind of match your eloquence. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for saying that that was eloquent. Yeah. I felt like that's kind of what you were going for. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had trouble figuring out how to describe it, so I just threw a bunch of fucking modifiers into the mix. You love modifiers. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Jack Modifier Shepherd over here. You're going to come to my level. You're going to match my eloquence in 60 seconds. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Beginning. Right. Now, what happened in this book? Baby Nation, there's a fuckload of new residents in, <laughs> in Stony Brook, Connecticut, including some Aussie Crocs. Called the Hobarts. There's like six of them. They all look like Mallory. They all have red hair and freckles and glasses. Mallory falls in love with one of them. His name is Ben. He's very handsome. He's very cool. Uh, the rest are pretty chill. One of them is named James, um, and he's kind of the middle the middle one. He's Let's eight. not get hung up on the names. Um, James is good friends with a new girl in town. Um, her name is Susan Felder, mm-hmm. uh, and she has autism. Uh, which means that she can't speak or do many things by herself, but she does. She is a savant, so she does have uh, this uncanny ability to play piano and memorize dates. Um, there are also some new bullies named Frank and Craig, I think, or Bob and Craig, except they have real names, but I don't remember what they are. And they sell tickets to so people and can come and watch time. the spectacle. And then Christy babysits. Uh, Susan, and she doesn't want her to leave, but then she has to go back to her special school, which she discovers in the end is better for her. Wow. Wow, you really ran over, and I somehow let you just do it. But I kind of wanted to get the rest of this plot out. Yeah. Uh, There is no secret of Susan. No, Susan has autism. Susan's autism is right out in the open. The secret, in some ways, is is possibly how she creates meaning. Okay. You think you cracked it? Even Christy couldn't crack it. Jack, you were no Christy. (laughs) I knew Christy. Christy was a friend of mine. And you, sir? Yeah. You're no Christy. You're no Christy. <laughs> Good. That whereof we cannot speak, thereof we must remain silent. Is that from the Bible? It's from the Tractatus, Wittgenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You love Wittgenstein. I do. Uh, it's the last hey, line. Hey, go figure, huh, Baby Nation? Jack loves some boring <laughs> philosopher who talks about robots or something. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't talk about robots. Who's the robot one? Heidegger, and he doesn't talk about robots either. AI. <laughs> no, you're way off. You're way off base. I'm not going to talk about... You're not going to bait me into talking about Heidegger and AI <laughs> as much as, like, I'm, like... My little hairs of my arms are, like, standing up on end right now. Wittgenstein. But Wittgenstein talks about meaning. 
Meaning of what? Meaning. How do we create meaning? Listen, here's a line. Susan had played and sung the skips as if they were part of the actual song. So she really did just memorize what she heard. The music and the words didn't have any meaning for her. I felt achingly sad all of a sudden. That whereof we cannot speak, thereof we must remain silent. The secret of Susan is about how we construct meaning, how we find meaning. So you think... I think that this is a meditation on the internal worlds that we create for ourselves and whether there is any actual content inside those worlds. Yeah. That's what I think. Let's explore it further by talking about some more details of the plot. Okay. I just wanted to I just wanted to throw that in there. What's the secret is the real question. Uh-huh. I do and I don't know, maybe you can introduce something if you'd like, but I would love to talk about the dates. Okay, did you did you uncover anything? Yes. Did okay. you? No, I didn't look them up. All right, hang on. As stated, finish the book on the way here. Okay. So, explain for the baby nation cuz you didn't you you just touched okay, on so it. Okay. So Susan um is not totally uh devoid of any language. She is capable of understanding people. One thing that she did as a young person was she got her hands in a perpetual calendar and memorized essentially every date for the last 60 years and about 20 years into the future. So if you say, Susan, what was September 8th, 1988? She would say, that was a Tuesday. And no matter right. what she's doing, like you can get her attention. You can snap her attention to you if you just ask her what a date was. Right. Um, and she becomes somewhat of a spectacle among the local bullies who like literally sell tickets like it's a carnival sideshow right. to like come and have Susan correctly guess the date correct um and yeah and so the local bullies come in and they say they'll say a date they'll just say a random date and she will say what day that date fell on yep here's what i'm gonna do for you tanner i'm gonna i i i wrote down all of the dates she is tested with Mm -hmm. and i want you to tell me if anything any one of them or anything about any one of them stands out yep don't look at your phone look at me i'm looking at my notes okay December 1st, 1983. Just keep an open mind. Okay, I don't have anything there. August 26th, 1943. Yep. October 25th, 1954. Okay. June 10th, 1962. Okay. June 10th. June 10th is jumping out at me. Yep, yep, yep. It jumped out at me Um, as well, my friend. June 10th, what year did you say? 1962. 1962. Mm Mm-hmm. Was the... Four-year anniversary yep. of whatever it was yep. that Ann Matthews Martin yep. did on June 10th, 1958. 1958. Yep. And for baby bees who may not have listened to or may not remember our episode on Mallory and the Mystery Diary, which is just a few episodes ago, I wrote down the quote. It's a quote from the back of the book where Ann and Martin kind of talks about what she was thinking yeah. uh, happy when she wrote the section. book. She says, happy reading. Yeah. We caught on to this very surprising and cryptic little piece of text. I love looking back through my diary to find out all sorts of things, what my first day of school was like, when I finally learned how to ride a two-wheeler, or simply what I did on June 10th, 1958. And do you want to know what the scariest part of June 10th, 1958 is? Yeah. It is the most unremarkable date in human history. It's hard to find anything. Literally nothing happened. Yeah. But like, Baby Nation has been pulling their hair out, yeah, trying to find things for us, because we put Baby Army on it. Yeah. 
and they're just like they can't dig up anything. Right. Nothing happened on June tenth, nineteen fifty. Well, so now we have another piece of the puzzle. We know that what is significant is not the year, but the date itself, June tenth. Yeah. Six ten. I did a little digging. Yep. Here's something that happened on June tenth. The first person was executed in the Salem witch trials. June tenth, sixteen ninety two. By the way, the June 10th in this book is June 10th, 1962. Okay, that's spooky. A little spooky. Yeah. Once I realized that we can start looking for June 10th in general. Yeah. Like, she just celebrates that anniversary. She's just going to hide it in every one of her books. She's going to throw it in there. It's like, uh, it's like a calling card. Yeah. You know? It's like a, a murderer who leaves like a, a telltale right. signature behind. Yeah. She's she's baiting us. She's baiting she's us. She's like, F- come find me. She wants us to know something. Yeah. Here's the other thing that I've got, and I don't know if this is far-fetched. I'm interested in your take on it. Yep. June 10th, 610. 610. 610, right? Yeah. Ephesians 6.10. Yep. I'm listening. You got me. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Ephesians 6.10. When the day of evil comes, okay. you better have your fucking armor. Anna Martin is telling she's us something. Warning. It's not, she's not baiting us. She's warning she's us. She's warning us. There's something. She's saying, watch out for June 10th. Yeah. If our podcast ever becomes popular, mm-hmm. I hope that we somehow turn June 10th into like a holiday. It's the day of evil. Well, it's it, the Babysitter's yeah. Club Club <laughs> day of evil. It's a day, like hopefully it'll just be people will like not come to work and like double lock their doors. Yeah, and just you stay, stay inside. Home. Stay inside. You listen to podcasts. <laughs> you shut yourself off from the world. You put yeah. on an eye mask. You put on your headphones. You listen to our podcast and yeah. you lay in bed all day. Yeah. Well, that's good. Who are the who are the young girls from the future who listen to our podcast? Michaela. Yeah. <laughs> they you better believe they celebrate the day of evil. <laughs> Six ten. Six ten. Um, Mark your calendars now, baby nation. Oh man, God, I cannot wait until we get Anna Martin on this podcast. That is that is and we've we have said the first question we're gonna ask her is a different thing a bunch of times. Yeah. That's the first question. Where were you on June tenth? Yeah. What happened on June 10th? What happened on June 10th and in March? Like 62, 1692? Where were you on June 10th, 1692? Executing witches, right? Sounds like it. Yeah. You got something you you want to talk about, my friend? Let's find out. Let's look at my notes, which I'm not allowed to do when you are talking because you are a tyrant king. (laughs) I just want you to engage with me, man. This is a book about people engaging with each other. It's a book about people reaching across that void and making a connection. That is what this novel is about, and it's perfect that we should be experiencing the exact opposite of that right now. As I look at you, I'm looking at you. You don't know this because you're deep in your iPhone. Uh, yeah. Do you think – did Wittgenstein have anything to say about autism? Uh, no, but he had a lot to say about language as a form of play. Oh, God. There was a lot of playful language in this book, man. Yeah, there was some good stuff. Including a lot. I don't know if you captured a lot, but I captured a lot of Burns of the Week. Oh, I did too. I did too. Should we just go into that segment now? Is that weird to do? Should we just? Server? Can we just do like ten? Because I captured so many, and I love every single one of them. Rapid fire burn of the week. Yeah. Check. Right. 
Yes. I want a rapid fire. <gasps> Bird of the week! 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm exhausted. I don't know if I can do an actual rapid fire. <laughs> yeah, that actually really hurt my... Um, all right, you go first. I'm gonna. I'll, you do one, I'll do one. You do one, I'll do one. Let's, let's make it fast. I'm just going to be reading off my notes here. So some Australians move uh-huh. into Thunderbrook. They've got funny accents. Oh, man, and they like to trade burns. Yeah, they have some burns, but because they're Australian, it literally makes zero fucking <laughs> sense. Yeah. Like, they keep calling people, what'd they call them? Rev heads. Rev heads. Some bullies come by on bikes, and, yeah. and James, the oldest one, is like, Get out of here, Rivheads. Get out of here, Rivheads. <laughs> they well, just have no... Like, they leave because they're confused. Just when Jesse was congratulating herself on Mal and getting the kids together so happily, five other kids from the neighborhood, three boys and two girls, rode by on their bikes, stopping at the Hobarts. Uh-oh, said Johnny. Hey, baby, yelled one of the boys to Matthew. What you eat this morning? For brekkie? <laughs> Wheat mix and toast with Vegemite. <laughs> the five kids burst into laughter. Breaky, <laughs> weed picks, and then they all rode off. It's like he could not have constructed a more Australian yeah. sentence. <laughs> when they fell right into their fucking trap, yeah. they fell right in their trap. James retorts there, like at that moment, he goes, "Great bike, yeah." <laughs> hey, you headbanger! <laughs> no, said the boy sarcastically. I'm a croc. Funny as a funeral. Yeah. Says James, which we've already remarked on, but uh, funny as a funeral is a pretty good burn. Um, the first time I went to Australia, Jack, yeah, I passed a Hungry Jacks, which is what they call Burger King, uh-huh. uh, and the sign said "Open for Brecky." Uh-huh. And I, I like <laughs> like a boy from Stony Brook. I just like stopped in the street and lost my shit. The chef came like, out. Yeah, Hungry Jacks, <laughs> Brecky. Like a bunch of Burger King waiters came out and were just like, get out of here, you rev head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you, a headbanger? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, let, me see if I can, let me see if I can grab one. Here's another hot one. It's an interchange between the Australians and the bullies again. It's between James and Zach. And it, in keeping with this new twist on an old segment, Rapid Fire Burn of the Week, mm-hmm. it's not one burn, it's just burn after burn after burn. Okay. Here, here's their exchange. Zach notices that they're being babysat, which is the an immediate opening for some repartee. Zach is a bully. Zach is a bully. Pay attention to your babysitter, you babies. Good. Tease Zach. We are not babies, <laughs> replied James hotly. Yes, you are. Nah, we not. Good. Yes, you are. <laughs> it's escalating. Well, I'm not, said James. I'm even advanced in maths in my new school. Ah, oh, fuck. Hang on. I'm Australian. I'm Australian. I'm even advanced in maths in my new school. <laughs> What'd you slip into there, South Africa? It's South African now. <laughs> I don't know what it is anymore. Listen, Australians, please forgive me. Yeah, we're really sorry. Like, we're not, we're not, we don't mean to demean your whole culture, like, but like, we're just trying our I best know, here. I know we, we sound like a bunch of rev heads right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just trying to, you know, we're just trying to bring some, some real verisimilitude, some yeah. realism to this enactment. You right. Know? Uh, advanced maths, maths, you can't even say the word right, said Zach. What word? Math. It's math. 
not maths. James, can you say math? James didn't miss a beat. Zach, can you say, how'd you like your head bashed in? Yeah. <laughs> sure, replied Zach. How would you like your head bashed in? That's good. James Hoisted had fallen upon his into own his petard. own trap, Yeah, says Ann Matthews Martin. Good stuff. Yeah. that That's the kind of witty interchange that we got in this burn-heavy book. Australians are good at burns, man. Yeah. Uh, you want to give me another quick, sick burn? Because i got some, some other shit I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, not... this is not about the Australians, but later on, um, Stacy. As mentioned before, Stacy is uh, babysitting the Brewers. Okay. And the Watsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Good. That's not what they're called. Thomases. The Brewers and the Thomases. Brewer, the Brewer Thomas clan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's babysitting them, and they, as always, Karen manages to rope everyone into playing. Let's all come in. Let's all come in. Yeah. <laughs> the hotel game where they all pretend they're working in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just a vanity project that Karen has so that she can dress up and act mm-hmm. and she manages to convince everyone else to do it. But she also gets to decide what everyone else gets to be. Mm-hmm. Here's the passage. As you can imagine, in the trunk are costumes like you'd expect to see only in the fanciest toy store. So David Michael suited up in a pretty impressive Bellman's uniform and then Karen directed the others in their costuming. Now, she began... I'll be playing Mrs. Kennelsworth, a very, very rich lady who is going to stay at the hotel. Emily, you will be my little girl. Andrew, you will be my pet monkey. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Cried Andrew. (laughs) Karen ignored him. David Michael, you will go downstairs and get ready in the living room. (laughs) Andrew just had to do it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What Karen says goes when it comes to let's all come in. And nobody ever, it's why nobody ever wants to fucking play the game. Yeah. It's also a good segue into the next little thing that I want to talk about that happened in this novel. It's literally the next moment where Karen begins to role play as Mrs. Kenilworth uh-huh. arriving at the hotel. Good evening, said Karen. I am Mrs. Kenilworth here for the night with my, she turned around and pulled Emily and Andrew into the living room, with my little girl Perdita and my little monkey. Spunky. <laughs> Perdita? Yeah. You got something there? Perdition? Perdita. Perdita is a character in Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. Okay. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that, man. She's one of the heroines of Shakespeare's play, The Winter's Tale. Yeah. She is the daughter of Leontes. Did you just look that up? King of Sicilia and his wife, Hermione. Well, I'm surprised that you knew that. Yeah. I'm sorry. That That was really rude of me and condescending to think that you didn't know that. Yeah. Check your privilege, bud. Okay. She was born in in prison. Uh-huh. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now I'm being <laughs> inconsiderate. Yeah. Uh, you go ahead. I mean, I just wanted to talk about it. I, I could mean... cite my knowledge about the character all day, <laughs> but I feel like you've got a point to make. Perdita is a character who was abandoned by her crazy father. Mm-hmm. It is prophesied that he will never have an heir until she returns. This book begins with Christy talking about her abandonment issues with her father. Mm -hmm. So there's a parallel there. When Anna Martin drops a reference to Shakespeare, it's never by accident. Okay. (laughs) So that's number one. Perdita, number two, means lost. In Spanish, you should know that. You've been taking Spanish lessons. Yep. Do you know that? No. I think it means lost in Spanish. (laughs) We haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) I learned beer today at Cerveza. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. 
so you'll get to like the existential dread section yeah like a few months eventually yeah um here's where perdition comes from yeah and yes yeah and that is what it comes yeah yeah it's that it's being lost you're lost you're doomed so that's something that's worth thinking about uh there is only one other meaning for perdita okay um and (laughs) is it an australian cereal i (laughs) probably to be (laughs) honest yeah it's just like ah good brekkie (laughs) (laughs) hell of a brekkie today gov yeah Yeah. oh shit i'm losing it We just oh, lost. You mean the perdita? <laughs> oh shit, man! I'm I'm getting further and further away from. Give me it. another ball of perdita, please. <laughs> Call back, <laughs> constable. <laughs> I'm looking at our live stats right now. On uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> it's just like our Australian audience is just like uh, perdita does mean one more thing, and I, I kind of hesitate to mention it because, like, I don't know. I I don't know if there's anything you can make out of it, but perdita is. Uh, it's a large genus of bees. <laughs> Native, of course, it is to North America, particularly. You didn't, we, you didn't think we'd catch on to that, Anne? <laughs> particularly diverse in the desert regions of the United States and Mexico, there are over seven hundred recognized species and subspecies of Perdita, Anne. Anne, <laughs> plus some two hundred more as yet. You're just unknown. bobbing and weaving, huh, Anne? <laughs> Uh, for new you baby thought, bees, you thought, oh, they're just gonna think this is a Shakespeare reference. Yeah. They all have no idea. Yeah. It's actually a bee. She's like, they're gonna get the winter's tale, but that's just a red herring. Nice try, and for new baby bees, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna tell you why we call you baby bees, and I'm not it gonna explain something to this do with to you. this. Yeah, <laughs> it's called bee theory. <laughs> yeah, we have a theory, and you're gonna have to go back and listen if you don't know what we're talking about. That all the characters in these books are actually sentient bees. You would be surprised at how well substantiated it is. <laughs> and that Stony Brook is actually a beehive. Yeah. Moving on real quick. One of the songs, and I'm just really mo- I'm, I'm moving through my notes here, but I think, I think you'll find that this is pertinent to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. One of the songs that Susan plays on the piano yep. is a song that is weirdly requested by the like eight-year-old bully in town. And Christy is like, Christy is like, what song would you like? Yeah, and the bully is like, "Oh, play uh, way down upon the Swanee River." Yeah, which is not a song that I knew personally. And way down upon the Swanee River—that's how it goes. Probably, honestly, it sounds about right. Yeah, let me just read you a real quick sample line from the song. Yep, one little hut among the bushes, one that I love, still sadly to my memory rushes, no matter where I rove. When will I see the bees a humming <laughs> all round the comb? When will I hear the banjo strumming down in my good old home? Yeah. Ooh. She literally plays a song about bees. I'm going to venture to say that it's the only bee-themed American folk song. If Anne really wanted to hit this on the nose, yeah. he could have requested Fly the Bumblebee. Right. Which yeah. is a very yeah. difficult piano piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. I'm sure Susan knows because she's got like this ironclad memory for songs. Right. She can do two things of particular note. She can name any date. Yeah. She can play any song. What does she do? She names the date June 10th. Yep. She plays a song about bees. bees. Yeah. And... <laughs> and princess we're on, we're on to you <laughs> you think you're being tricky i need to talk to you miss martin 
I got I think a you're few being tricky, you're not being tricky. words that I want to have with you. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Mallory's plot, Mallory's subplot. Yeah, she falls in love with a boy. <laughs> you are completely underselling this. She falls in love with a boy named Ben Hobart. We come in peace, said Mal, smiling. Have no fear. Pretty flirty. Yeah. The boy grinned back at her. Don't I know ye? He asked. Well, I'm in sixth grade at Stony Brook Middle School, Mal replied. Ah, so am I. I must have seen you at school. Mal and the boy looked at each other for so long that finally Jesse said, I'm Jesse Ramsey. I'm in your grade, too. The boy shook himself as if he'd been daydreaming. Uh, sorry, I'm Ben Hobart. <laughs> I thought it was a good meet cute. We have some evidence that we are well on the road to a great, lifelong, fruitful romance yeah. between this pair. Yeah. Walking through Stony Brook Middle School, Middle School SMS yeah. are seen hands brushing against each other. It's not Very quite, racy. Not quite holding hands. This is but, the raciest passage we've had since yeah. Don's mom's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and then... The pièce de résistance. A phrase that they say about 12 times yeah. in this book. And Claudia's like, oh, <laughs> the piece of the resistance. Piece of resistance. <laughs> uh, but the pièce de résistance. Mal comes in to the club meeting and she's like, I've got a pièce de résistance and I'm going to tell you fuckers. Yeah. And like, they drag it out for like, 60 pages (laughs) where she's like here's a thing and like Chrissy's like man can't wait to hear this and then like the phone rings and it's the preziosos and and always the fucking preziosos yeah it's always the goddamn preziosos we hear about them babysitting Jenny all the time Jenny a prezioso Mm -hmm. but we haven't actually had we haven't had like scene with Jenny prezioso in some time the last time we heard from Jenny Prezioso. The Stony Brook pageant? No, I think it was when Stacy sold her doll to her. Oh, wow. And she put up like a big fit. Yeah. And then she just became this like ethereal presence, like lurking around the who edges of Who still like commands a lot of attention. Yeah. Like every time no Mal's like, I've got an important announcement to make. And then Jenny Prezioso, like by proxy, rears her ugly head. Yeah. That's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And it's a bummer that we haven't had more of Jenny Precioso because, like, my literal favorite underreported character in this entire <laughs> series is Mr. Precioso. Number one basketball <laughs> fan. He just, he just wants to watch the boys basketball. There's <laughs> <laughs> just so little to do in Stony Brook. That's all he wants. He has this, like, nightmare wife and this nightmare daughter. Yeah, he just wants to go to Hardee's <laughs> and like watch watch a boys basketball game, and it's like not happening for him. No, he just can't get it together. Yeah, the pièce de résistance. Yes, dude. Sorry, are you right. saying piece of resistance? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. No, the pièce de résistance. Yeah. Mal. Red, the blood of angry men. <laughs> black. Is that Les Misérables? Yeah. Did you watch it since we last talked? No, I haven't watched it. People were really excited that you sang Les Miserables. There's apparently a very good show. There's a large fandom for that show. It's very good. It's very popular. Yeah. The pièce de résistance. Yeah. Mal. The blood of angry (laughs) men. So (laughs) 
it's it's gonna be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be worth having gotten through all this. Uh-huh. Ban the dark before the dawn. <laughs> Mal, the blood of angry men. <laughs> ben, go ahead. The, the dark before the dawn. I don't remember exactly what the lyrics are. Ben invited Mal to a movie. <laughs> you want to know what I wrote down here? When I captured a note there. Yeah. And I'm going to show this to you because I feel like it's really going to emphasize this. Ooh. <laughs> Baby Nation, I can confirm for you, Tanner's showing me his notes. He wrote, ooh. <laughs> well, that's what I felt too, man. Anna Martin was teasing it the whole book. It's like, what's going to happen with this like mysterious Australian emigre? Uh, we're talking a lot about stuff that makes us happy, uh-huh. stuff that makes Mal happy. Mm-hmm. You're feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm going to bring you down. Okay. Jack, mm-hmm. did you cry? <laughs> did I? Did you have a... <gasps> Tearful moment! <laughs> Okay, did you have one? Oh man, I had a bunch. I had a bunch of like real ass tearful moments. All right, I'm just gonna go with the first one I wrote down. I'm just gonna read it. Ben and Mal and I put our heads together and had a conference. We decided to let the kids try to work things out for themselves. There's some bullying going on. And so the teasers kept teasing. In the middle of the worst of it, though, I noticed something. James was eyeing Susan. When Bob or Craig, the bullies, stood in front of her and began flapping and clicking right in her face. James ran to Susan and put his arm around her protectively. Leave her alone, he said. She's she's my mate. <laughs> Which just, is, me, just give me right now. <laughs> it's beautiful because it's how an Australian would say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Christy tries really hard to make Susan some friends yeah. in Stony Brook. So she's she's only in town briefly, and she does manage to make a friend in James. Yeah. I came to say goodbye, he called. Susan's leaving, isn't she? Yeah, I replied. Then I added, Mr. Felder, have you ever met James Hobart? He and his family moved into Marianne Spears' old house. James and Mr. Felder shook hands. Then the Felders and I kind of stood back while James approached Susan. So long, he said. I'm glad you were my mate. No response from Susan. Susan? said James. Susan? Nothing. James extended his hand as if he were going to take Susan's, then thought better of it and pulled away. Well, goodbye, he said. I'll miss you. Hope you come back soon. Mrs. Felder started to cry, and James looked at me as if he might cry too. So I put my arm around him. Then the Felders buckled Susan into the car, climbed into the front seat, and rolled down their windows. Goodbye, they called as they backed out into the street. Thank you, Christy. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, we called back. I wish Susan could say goodbye, said James, as we watched the car disappear down the street. Me too, I replied. Uh, whereof we cannot speak, thereof we must bring Wittgenstein. be silent. <laughs> it's a uh, beautiful moment. No, it's beautiful. Wittgenstein has no place here. <laughs> Something that we haven't gotten into in describing what happens in this novel is that, like, and Anna Martin actually does a legit good job here where she kind of sets it up so that it seems like Christy is going to save the day and teach Susan to talk and relay. Right. It's a bait and switch. It's a classic bait and switch with Anna and Martin where she sets you up to be like, oh man, this is going to be weird when Christy saves the day and then like the parents learn their lesson. Because Mrs. Felder's really set up as a villain. Like every time 
Christy comes over to babysit, Mrs. Felder's like, I just have to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I'm going to the salon. Yeah. Don't call me. But then it turns out that, like, Susan... Sorry, I just have to get the bullfrog out of here. <laughs> <laughs> bullfrog, Mrs. Felder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you only pay more attention to your Bullfrogging child, daughter. <laughs> your bullfrogging daughter. But Chrissy is wrong. She's fucking 13 years old, and she will be for the rest of her entire life. Christy is wrong, and the Felders are right. And at the end of this novel, including the scene that you just read and including every scene that made me, like, literally shed tears, you you see this other side of Mrs. Felder where it's like, oh, this is so fucking hard for her. Yeah. She's, like, packing up her stuff, and she, like, goes to Christy and is like, can you help me, like, finish packing up Susan's stuff so I can send her away back right and just like starts choking up and christy is like oh maybe this family does know how to take care of their autistic child and i am like a controlling megalomaniacal she also meets mr felder who's like the chillest he's super (laughs) fucking chill i bet he would go to a boys basketball game with mr prezioso yeah Yeah. i bet he does all the time i bet they're they're buds yeah mr prezioso and mr felder mr felder's always like ah there's a boys basketball game out in stamford and mr prezioso is like i would love nothing more mr felder i would love nothing more but love nothing more but my daughter just sits in a dark room with her dolls (laughs) yeah just like screaming in this voice that sounds like a thousand voices ringing out at once. Yeah. <laughs> Just demanding things of us. And, you know, honestly, I'd be fine with it. Bring me the flesh <laughs> of a beast with cloven hooves. Uh, that does not chew its own cut. <laughs> that does not, very specifically, does not chew its own cut. Yeah. And I would be fine with it, Mr. Felder, if it weren't for the fact that the dolls talk back. <laughs> Mr. Felder's like, okay. <laughs> I'll be in Stanford. Uh, you've got my number. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna root on the the I'll let you know how the Wildcats Stanford do. Wildcats. Yeah. <laughs> A little housekeeping. Yeah. Tanner and I are going to be guest starring on another podcast. We're g- we're gonna be on another podcast, but don't worry, Baby Nation. That doesn't mean that we're, we're giving up this podcast. We're still gonna be on this podcast. Yeah. 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 We're not. Well, I guess we are two timing. Yeah, but we always come back home. Yeah, we always come back home. Yeah. We're stepping out. Yeah. We're stepping out. But we're, you're going to like it. There's a there's a little bit of a seven-year itch. I think they'll like it. Yeah, we're stepping out with another podcast. It's called The Real Weird Sisters. Baby Nation, this relationship is getting stagnant. You're looking for <laughs> something new, too. You're looking for something a little... Yeah, a little different. A little different. A little, little dangerous. Yeah. You know? And yeah. we've got the thing for you. It's called The Real Weird Sisters. Uh, it is a podcast about... The hit series by England's own England's own J.K. Rowling. Yeah, Harry Potter. Yep, and it's, it's two sisters. Yep, uh, who have guests on every week to discuss the Harry Potter books. Um, none of which I have read. Right. So it's going to be a, a romp. We're going to be sorting the babysitters into Hogwarts houses. Yep. And if you don't know what that means, I, I can't help you. What does that mean? Well, Sorting them into, what do you say, Hargit's <laughs> houses? Don't worry about it. You'll find out when we when we actually do this guest yeah. starring spot. So you can hear that. You can just go to um, realweirdsisters.com and look for our episode. Yeah. I guess it'll have our names on it. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, I have been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. This has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club 
Club. This week we read Christy and the Secret of Susan. Next week we are reading a book that is called Claudia and the Great Search. Yep. Sounds pretty good. Sounds very good. Unclear what she's in the front here. You look in the pictures? Yeah. You're looking at a, the classic Hodges Swallow drawing. All right. I've been Jack Shepard. You've been Tanner Greenering. Next week we're reading Claudia and the Great Search. Thank you for listening. Thank you for rating us on iTunes and giving us a positive review because that helps us in the rankings and it makes Tanner happy. Yeah. Thank you, Scott Lamb, for the intro. Thank you, Super Rat, for the outro. Uh, Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Get enthusiastic in your heart and in your soul. They got the book open. Turn that frown upside down. We're going to bring some energy. We should get Hodges Silio on Hodges the show. Solo. I think about that name every day. You think it's Solo? I think it's so- Swallow. Swallow. Hodges Swallow. We should get him on the show. Or her. Or her. I don't Is Hodges, I don't know, the, is Hodges a gendered name? I had a cat called Hodge. He was a man. Um, all right, we're going to end this audio check right now.